Okay, so I hear you like books. Why, yes, I do. That's right. When I was your age, television was called books. And this is a special book. Because when you read a book as a child, it becomes part of your identity in a way that no other reading in your whole life does. And I have gotten carried away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you have. Are you seeing the books? Everything you would want to read is right here. Feel it. Feels good, right? Just smell it. Nothing, nothing smells like that. Welcome, friends, to Reading the Newberries, episode 32. This is a team friendship podcast, and this week we'll be discussing the 1947 Newberry Medal winning book, Miss Hickory, by Carolyn Bailey. I am Leah, and I'm joined by my fellow podcasters, Lauren. Hello, friends. And Mandalay. What up, friends? And we are ready to talk about this book, I think. How have you guys been doing? Well, doing all right. I thought it would be fun if we have any new listeners. We usually tell new listeners to start at our newest podcast because, well, if you go back and listen to the old ones, you'll know why. But um, <laughs> I just thought I would let everyone know a little bit about us. So we are cousins, right? Um, Lauren and Mandy are sisters, and I am the cousin, the outcast. You're not an <laughs> outcast. Child. But just, like a sister. You're practically our sister. And like a sister. And we love books. And we wanted to do something together. And so we started reading through the Newberries. So I am a stay-at-home mom with one little girl. Grew up in the home of a teacher. So I've always had a love for children's books and good literature. Um, that's a little bit about me. Lauren, would you like to just do a little summary of yourself? Sure. I am also a stay-at-home mom. I have one daughter. She is six years old now, and last year was our first year of homeschooling, which went really well, and I'm excited to continue doing that. Before I had my daughter, I taught I taught pre-K four for a few years and really enjoyed it and loved it, so I think just because of my teacher background, I I also, I think that started my love for children's books and just wanting to read through the Newberries. So now I get to do it with my daughter and it's been a lot of fun. Awesome. And Mandy, the baby of the three of us. (laughs) I am a recent stay-at-home wife, not by choice. I was formerly a cake decorator. I, I still am. I still, I didn't lose my skills. You still are. And I cake on the side from home now, and that has been a fun new adventure for me. I am gearing up to yet again go back to college and start my classes up sometime in May for a a bachelor's degree in communication. And I have just always loved books. I would say reading, but I really just love holding books. Just the idea of books. <laughs> but I do uh, read a book every now and then. I like it. Yes. And you read this book. I did read it. I finished it. I'm very proud so of you. So proud of you. Thank you. All, all 100 and however many pages. 
Yeah. And it was a very quick read. It was. I read it all today. <laughs> well done. Well done. It's fresh in your mind. It is. Sometimes I like doing it like that, actually. Yes, it is very fresh, which will be helpful. Awesome. All right, Lauren, would you like to just tell us a little bit about Miss Hickory? I will. I will be reading the book description that is on Goodreads. It says, Most dolls lead a comfortable but unadventurous life. This was true of Miss Hickory until the fateful day that her owner, Anne, moves from her New Hampshire home to attend school in Boston, leaving Miss Hickory behind. For a small doll whose body is an applewood twig and whose head is a hickory nut, the prospect of spending a New Hampshire winter alone is frightening indeed. In this classic modern-day fairy tale, what's a doll to do? Very nice. A lot of things, as we found out. <laughs> yes, she's a very busy little doll. <laughs> well, Mandy, what can you tell us about the author of this little fairy tale? All right, let's see here. Carolyn Sherwin Bailey. She was born October 25th, 1875 in Hoosick Falls, New York. 1875. That struck me, by the way. Like, I know this book Why? was old, but I, you know, like, it's true. you know, 1945, but you know, 1875 birth. Yeah. It's a long time ago. She would have seen a lot in exactly. her lifetime. Her mother was a math teacher and a writer. Her father, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right. He was a metallurg metallurgist. And I will say what that is. <laughs> uh, it's an engineer trained in the extraction, refining, alloying, and fabrication of metals. And he worked oh, in, I know, he worked in South America, Canada, and the American South. And they both read to Carolyn and encouraged her creativity. She won a $25 prize in a Write Your Own Stories contest when she was five years old. And wow. I know. She was writing fiction and poems for the Youth Companion and St. Nicholas by age 19. She attended the Teachers College columbia the montessori school in rome and the new york school of social work she focused on child psychology and taught kindergarten in new york uh, she eventually moved to writing and editing for magazines she was the editor of american childhood from 1924 to 1935 and she adapted adult works for children and edited other works in addition to writing her own. Wow. I know. Uh, she, there's a lot to tell about her, which is why I had to write all this out. because, <laughs> Which was surprising <laughs> to me because usually the older authors, it's hard to find things about them. She got married in 1936 to a noted radiologist from Johns Hopkins University. Uh, his name is, I don't know if it's spelled, or I don't know if it's pronounced Eben or Eben Hill. Um, they moved to the Hills family home in Temple, New Hampshire on an apple tree farm where she would spend the remainder of her summers. Um, she spent her winters in New York City, which I approve of. I think, every, I think <laughs> yeah, that's the way to do everyone it. Everyone should have Christmas in New York. <laughs> mm-hmm. But don't go there for summertime. <laughs> it's awful. After 
after her marriage, this is also when her writing would change from largely educational to prose and fiction. She was interested in writing the, quote, untold stories of boys and girls who help make America a great nation, end quote. Her bestsellers would be her series on colonial life and games and crafts from America's past. Um, A rural childhood followed by married life in New Hampshire served as the inspiration for her stories, including her Newbery winner, Miss Hickory. Bailey was on a trip to Florida in 1945 for a writing assignment um, when she uh, became sick and also was separated from her typewriter. But she got her hands on some paper and she still had to write something. She was struggling to come up with an idea because she was very homesick. She thought about her New Hampshire home and this reminded her of the dolls her grandmother would make for her as a child. And this is how Miss Hickory was born. Her last published book was Little Red Schoolhouse in 1957. And she passed away in Temple on December 23rd, 1961. She had a very full life. She did. And she sounds like she was very intelligent. Yeah, very, also very productive and seems like she helped a lot of kids with the books she wrote. Yeah, I'm actually interested in checking out some of her other stuff just to... Yeah, me too. It sounds really interesting. Well, guys, are we ready to discuss this book? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So at the beginning of Miss Hickory, it is fall. And chapter one, Crow comes and tells Miss Hickory that the family that lives on the farm is going to be spending winter in Boston. And so Miss Hickory won't be able to live in the windowsill of the farmhouse this winter like she's done in the past. And Miss Hickory does not believe Crow because he's known for gossiping. So she's like, whatever, you know, I don't believe you. So in chapter two, Miss Hickory runs into Mr. T. Willard Brown, who is a barn cat, which I love his name. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> I do too. I, yeah, I just love that it's like, Crow is Crow, but for the cat, we're going to give him like this full, you know, <laughs> full name. <laughs> anyway, so... Yeah, but isn't it a name like he gave himself? <laughs> I don't remember, is it? <laughs> I, it's, I can't remember. Yeah, he gave yeah. it to himself <laughs> okay. because then she's like, don't you forget that I know your real name and like <laughs> brings him down a notch. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's awesome. <laughs> so he tells her that what Crow has told her is true and the family is spending winter in Boston. In fact, they have already left. And so Miss Hickory is so sad about it, but Crow finds her a new home for the winter. He flies her up to an apple tree where there is an empty nest. The nest used to belong to Robin, but he's gone for the winter. So it is open for Miss Hickory to use. And Miss Hickory thanks Crow. And then she asks him, how long until spring? Because I think she would normally read the Farmer's Almanac, but the family took that with them to Boston. So she can't read when spring's coming. So she's wondering when spring has come, like, how long am I going to be in this nest? And I love what Crow says to her. He says, it doesn't matter. Spring always comes. And I just love that quote. I, I also liked that. 
That's like something you want on a tote bag or t-shirt or something. (laughs) Yeah, I loved it. I just want to say I was devastated when Miss Hickory lost her cute little corncob house. I was too. It just seemed so unjust. Like, yeah, the you leave her home for in. two seconds. Yeah, it's like, yeah, she like went out for the day to gather like berries or something. Yeah. And then a chipmunk moves in. Like, doesn't the chipmunk know she lives there? That's like, what, what I'm the saying. heck? Like, what kind of. <laughs> I have read a lot. Not a lot. I have read a couple of books where the animals, you know, where you're in like, you know, nature and the animals have personalities and stuff. And and they're fairly neighborly to each other. You don't just take over someone's house when they're out foraging for the day. I wonder, like, maybe if we like studied chipmunks, is that something they do? Do they like? I don't know steal other people's like burrows or whatever i thought they had their own animals are like that yeah i know some animals are like that like owls certain types of owls steal nests they don't build their own nests so i wonder like is that something that a chipmunk actually does or was that just something she wrote for the story to get to like move the plot forward i don't know i don't know i'm gonna look into this now oh leah's got it (laughs) i don't know though i have not found anything so yeah, it's just so- yeah, just something to think about, I guess. I don't know. Because she just, like, the author seems very knowledgeable about everything. Right. So I just wondered if that was on purpose or if, yeah, I don't know. Well, that's what I was going to say. It does seem like um, a lot of the storylines were based on habits of those animals mm-hmm. in nature. Yeah. Which I think is cool because then kids are learning even though they don't realize they're learning. Yeah, I love it. It's, I, I definitely w- did stuff like that where I would read a book and then in school we would talk about something. I'd be like, oh, I already know this. Nice. <laughs> because I should have read more as a child. I didn't. Well, especially from like the American Girl doll books. I did read those and I did learn a yeah. lot from that. Yeah. And those, what are they called? The um... Are you thinking of the Dear America books? Yes. Yeah. That. Yeah. I learned a lot of history from those from both those books american girl and the dear america yeah i'm not seeing anything about them stealing nests mandy you keep looking and let us know (laughs) i am (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i was just very disturbed when she lost her house because she ran an errand that just seemed very abrupt and disturbing to me i feel like i brought my adulthood into this book a lot more than other books because yeah. certain things would happen and I would just be incredibly disturbed Same. or jolted. Like, I don't know. Especially the house thing just made me upset. But I was happy that she got a little nest, but it bothered me that there was no roof over her head. Same. Yes. <laughs> like, these are the things that I'm thinking through. Like, this is not right. <laughs> I, was, I was really upset because I wanted to see her living in her corncob house through the winter, like with her little stove. Right. and. Exactly. It seemed so cozy. Yeah. And I didn't understand why she couldn't stay stay there in the first place. You know, like, why couldn't you just ready it for winter, you know? Yeah. Batten down the hatches, as it were. Yeah. Well, it did. I felt like it kind of jumped between realism and then the fairy tale part of it. And that's where I struggled because, like... She doesn't need to eat food. <laughs> right. Yet, yeah. Like the chipmunk <laughs> needs to steal her house to be safe for winter. 
Not not but, if like, a chipmunk had prepared to... <laughs> and made his own burrow. But then I'm wondering, like, how much of that has to do with the ending of the book? Like, is there something about these branches that happens during winter time? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, my mind was like doing gymnastics, and I I'm just not. It's true. I'm not able to put all of that in the right spot. I don't know enough about nature. That's what I learned from this book. Yeah, me too. I need to study more nature. It's one of the things with now that we're doing homeschooling, nature study is a big part of it. And I'm just so bad at it. So if any of our listeners are good at it, please send me all the tips (laughs) and curriculum. (laughs) I would love curriculum ideas. (laughs) There you go. But this book was great. I think this book would be a great book. Like, if you're doing nature study, like, it has so many, there's so many different ways you could go with this book to study nature. Yep, for sure. So, Miss Hickory is in her new digs, which, disturbingly, there is no roof to her home. And <laughs> she's living in this tree, and... We see her kind of trying to make life work in this new location, as disturbing as it may be. And one day she finds a squirrel and we're introduced to Squirrel. You guys know my passion for squirrels. Yes, I do. (laughs) This squirrel was a little bit annoying, though. We see him trying to gather nuts for the winter, but he's very forgetful. And this is another part that I thought, okay, is this indeed like nature? Because... Um, It is true that um, as squirrels bury their nuts for winter, they don't always harvest all those nuts. Some of them stay, and that is a way that trees are grown, is through the squirrels digging and burying nuts. Yeah. Uh, Miss Hickory gets very upset with this squirrel because he is so forgetful, and she knows that he is not going to make it through winter (laughs) because (laughs) he will either eat all the nuts that he finds, or then he just forgets where they are, and he's not saving them enough, and then he comes to introduce himself to her. And she gets a little uneasy because of how he's looking at her head, which just happens to be a nut, and kind of sets the path for the future of the book. <laughs> um, but Squirrel ten- ends up just leaving her alone. It's kind of an ominous moment that doesn't end up ha- with anything happening. At that time. I- Did you guys feel like that was a dark storyline? <laughs> I, yeah, like, I was just, I wasn't sure where we were going with it, and yeah, yes. I was scared for I her. thought it was funny that he would, like, come up to check on her, but, like, in, like, a, I don't know, almost evil villain kind of way. Right. <laughs> like, he would always surprise her. Yeah. Like, she'd wake up, and he's, he's staring at, at her. her. <laughs> and he's like, oh, sure I just came okay. to check on you. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> How's that head of yours? <laughs> oh my goodness and then she's like I've got to get a hat <laughs> yes <laughs> poor Miss Hickory <laughs> so as we move on the whole forest or I guess she's in a forest what would we call she's this in the orchard yeah. the orchard the, the whole orchard. orchard there we go is preparing for winter and she happens upon the hen pheasants And the hen pheasant is very distraught. Her husband has left her. He's ignoring her. Um, She fears for how she's going to survive winter. And so this part I just loved so much. Miss Hickory, 
ever the feminist is organizing <laughs> this ladies aid society yes. and so she gathers all the hens finds them a home and tells them to make a quilt <laughs> yes <laughs> she teaches them how to make a quilt she does oh, i love it's it the cutest thing i love it so it much it made me want to quilt <laughs> like i know <laughs> i like what are they gonna do with the quilt though i don't <laughs> Are they going to sell it, like, at the fair? I don't I know. know. Well, like, she mentioned that, but then she like... told them that they should just keep it to stay warm. Yes. That's true. And I think, it, I mean, it was just giving them something to do, and they formed their Ladies' Aid Society, which was just adorable. <laughs> and they had corn there to eat during the winter? Yes. They were all safe and warm. I loved that. That was one of my favorite chapters. All right, and we're moving along, and we learn a little bit about cow. So, cow gives birth to twins, and Willard T. Brown is the one that found cow and her twins back when she gave birth in the summer. He was very proud of himself for that. <laughs> um, but he only found them because he was tired of waiting for the cow for to the give milk. him milk, because he <laughs> drinks milk every day. Where is Where that, is that cow? cow? and so then we find out that one of the heifers was wild and one was a barn cow and this story was very much a one-off like it wasn't even in the time of the rest of the book and then you come into the time of the book and um we find out how the wild heifer gets a little bit of its wild streak because the mother cow wanders off, overeats apples, and then overeats squash from like a, did it sound like a truck or something that she ate it off of? A farm truck? Uh, something like that. And I don't know if it was like s- squash they had harvested themselves or. It's kind of sounded <laughs> like, I don't know. It's but- like I said, it's like going in and out of reality. And I'm like, I don't or know. Or if they that. brought it in from somewhere, like they traded apples <laughs> with the squash farmer right. or something. Right. Because <laughs> right. I want to know, like, so the family is in Boston. Who's taking care of the farm? Yeah. And it was clear that well, someone was. Somebody had to have been, right? Right. But where did they live? Because then somebody's giving the cow the medicine in the right. barn. Yeah. And somebody's milking the cow every day. Right. Like someone has to so do that. So they must have a farm hand that lives yeah. either on the property or nearby or something. Okay. That's what There's I a lot of choose holes to in believe. This story. Yeah. Plot <laughs> hole alert. Well, I, I guess it's just not mentioned because Miss Hickory is, and the other animals don't it's care. It's briefly like, mentioned uh, right. that someone would be there, like, very briefly. Okay. I must have missed that. Okay. So in this chapter, chapter six, Barn News, Willard. Mr. Willard T. Brown races to Miss Hickory in the night to tell her she is missing a show. If she hurries, she can come watch the cow get her medicine. <laughs> Which I'm like, I'm guessing this must be a real thing because of all of the cow's stomachs. They have to like tip him, tip her like on her end, right, to give her the and, medicine and because she usually chews her cud. For you know, right. she's not used to like just swallowing something. But this is the first of at least two instances that we see Miss Hickory cannot be disturbed by this. Which I didn't understand because I would have been like, I would have been like, yeah, I want to see that. 
Right. And I I felt like I was supposed to learn something about Miss Hickory's character through that and through the following story that's kind of similar. But I don't know quite what that is. So if you guys have any insight on that, let me know. I felt I like they were I trying have some to make insight, a point. But okay. I'll wait till we get to the end. Okay. So I, I felt like this was just setting up for what comes at the end or toward yeah. the end. Well, in chapter seven, we are introduced to Fawn. And this chapter is basically a shortened version of Bambi. Yeah. I And there was I loved no that chapter. Warning. You love this chapter. Sorry. Well, I mean, I love the storyline because it's like a, almost a little bit redemptive in that it is. Keep going, keep going. I'll just So I'll yeah, just so at going. the end of the chapter, Fawn's mother is dead and he's all alone. That's not but <laughs> You didn't even go it. through the it's part so where Fawn went off frolicking in all the places that his mother told him not to through the orchard. And because he did that, she was following him, trying to keep him safe. That's on you, Fawn. And his <laughs> mother got shot. Fawn needs therapy now. Great job, Fawn. It was intense. Well, yes, like Leah said, it, the chapter ends on a bright spot. Wild Heifer comes along and finds Fawn. And this is a quote from the book. It says, So neither was alone again. Wild Heifer had found a brother and Fawn a sister. And Wild Heifer and Fawn ran together after that. Which was adorably Isn't funny that the to sweetest? me. sweetest? It's so sweet. Like picturing a fawn and a cow running together was hilarious to me. That's a Disney moving in the making it right really there. Is. That's what they oh, yeah. should have it's ended perfect. Bambi with. It's perfect. You have it's like a Fox parent death. <laughs> Someone always has to die. Yep. A mother generally. Yes. Usually a mother or a father or one of them's not even in the picture. So it's just I read somewhere once. I forget where I read this, but basically I think an author said this. They said the reason that you find that in a lot of stories is not just Disney, but a lot of stories have like mm-hmm. absent parents or something like that. And they were like, orphans are more interesting. You can go on more adventures when the when the adults are out of the picture. It's true. It's true. When they're in the picture, they keep you from adventuring. Yeah. Not always, but sometimes. <laughs> well, I think we do also have that desire. Let's get deep here. Oh, as wow. a culture. <laughs> For that joy mixed with sorrow, like yeah. the joy is so much sweeter. That's true. After the sorrow. Yeah. And so it builds for a more like triumphant ending. You know, I the agree. deer finds a yeah. friend in Heifer. Yeah. And like how exciting and sweet is that? Yeah. Like there's it's redemption more sweet. from yeah. that. It's more sweet because of what happens. Yeah. I mean, just look at Katie Camillo's stories. Look at Gee. them, guys. <laughs> Thrives on that. <laughs> Look at them. (laughs) Read them. (laughs) Anyway. All right. So then the beginning of December, Miss Hickory, she goes ice skating, gathers berries and seeds for food. It's a fun chapter there. She's a fairly good December. Yeah. So chapter nine is where it gets kind of crazy. So Squirrel tells Miss Hickory about this event that happens in the barn every Christmas Eve. 
And he says, every Christmas Eve in one of the mangers in the barn, an imprint can be seen of a baby. And at midnight, the Christmas star comes down and shines in the barn. And so this is the second time Miss Hickory is like, yeah, I don't, whatever. And he's like, you should come. You should come see. And she doesn't believe Squirrel. And he tells her she's hard-headed, which, of course, she is because she has a nut for a head. <laughs> um, so she goes to bed early that night. But she wakes up in the middle of the night. And as she peers out of her nest, she sees something strange. She sees a white crow flying. She sees some robins and bluebirds, and they're carrying holly and laurel leaves. And then she sees Fawn and his mother beside him, which is odd because she's dead. And then the book lists several more animals that join the the procession toward the barn. Owls, foxes, parrots, goats, field mice, camels. Yeah, And then there's an illustration in the book that shows giraffes, lions, and elephants exactly as well. exactly what I was going to mention. And yeah, they're all marching to the barn. And later in the chapter, it says there's a monkey there, too. So it's not just woodland animals or barnyard animals. It's like all animals. And so after seeing this, Miss Hickory decides she is going to make her way to the barn. But because she waited too long, she doesn't get a good view of the manger. But she does see the Christmas star come down and shine in the barn. And this is a quote from the end of that chapter. She says, I should have paid heed to Squirrel. I might have seen inside the manger in the barn, but I was hard-headed. She felt sad and confused. So because of her hard-headedness, she missed out on something, basically. She deserved it. And I think in one of the previous chapters, she she also laments about not going to see the cow get her medicine. She's like, I'm missing out on these things because I'm just hard headed and yeah, can't be bothered. So I don't that's not like really a deep insight, Leah, but that's kind of what I took right. away from that. And that's what I I knew that part, but I thought like what would a child learn? Is it just for the sake of the story? Or is she trying to teach to have like a sense of wonder or to be curious i don't know yeah maybe i'm not gonna get up if someone wakes me up in the middle of the night no that's not a good lesson (laughs) (laughs) i don't it may be just an encouragement for parents because i think i think kids have that natural sense of wonder and natural like desire for you know they're curious they want to go on adventures but not all the time do the parents want to go on adventures and uh, this is something i struggle with like i i'm happy and content in my house like i don't want to go outside (laughs) but we're you know we're not going to have an adventure unless we do something outside of our normal schedule and so going outside, and it can be simple, like just going outside, going into your yard, going to the park. We have a beautiful state park here with trails, like go do that. So just do fun things with your kids because they're going to, those are the things they're going to remember when they get older. It just seemed like she was also trying to portray something biblical that I wasn't understanding. It was definitely biblical. Yeah, it definitely was like the 
birth of Christ right. is reenacted right. in their barn every year. I think that was another like which I got that fairy but then tale I was, part of it. I was it. trying to understand what the lesson was as far as as her being late to get there, I guess, and all of that. Yeah, I don't know if like the author was trying to teach something there, but I do think you can draw right. stuff mm-hmm. out of that. I think you can. I also didn't understand how we somehow melded like a Christmas story with like Noah's Ark here. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I also, to me, it was a little bit touching, especially to see the drawing because we know, according to what the Bible says, eventually, you know, the lion will lay with a lamb. So all of those animals would be able to live in harmony together. That's true. So that... I don't know if that's what she was getting at, but that was that's true. What it made me think of, like, and it's a story about because, animals and right. So I don't know. I don't know if that's what she was getting at, but I was like, oh, that's that's a fun. Could picture. have also been adding to the wonderment of it for children of look at all these animals that right. shouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Be confused. <laughs> I love the illustration. I love I love that illustration yes. of all the animals. It's just really pretty. And this is kind of a side note, but the illustrations are lithographs, and they're by Ruth Gannett. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna give a shout out to her, but you're already on that. So, oh, sorry. Well, no, I mean, we can talk I more about it later. Shout out prepared. I was just gonna literally say shout out to Ruth. <laughs> Do it now. Give your shout out. Shout out to Ruth for some awesome illustrations. Oh, I love it. I think they're just I think they're just very beautiful and when I I don't I didn't know what lithographs were. So I had to do some research and now that I know what they are, I'm just like, "Wow, that's amazing." Cuz basically they take a rock or a stone, like something that's a smooth surface, and they use oil or some people use like crayons or something to draw what they're drawing. And then they like put water on it. And basically it's because water and oil don't mix. And then they, I don't know, it's a long yeah, process. They put the and ink on it's, it and, yeah. And then press and it. So, yeah, the, the ink sticks to the oil or something, something like that. And so then, yeah, they put it onto a paper and it's just a form of print, printmaking. And it, was invented, I believe it was invented to like uh, quickly reproduce sheet mu- music. Oh, so, nice. yeah. yeah, I learned a lot today, guys. I watched okay. a lot of YouTube. I'm videos. proud of you, Lauren. But when you think about that that type of media, and then look at these illustrations, that's amazing, especially the. The one we're referencing right now, the barn illustration with all the animals, it's very detailed. And and that was something I learned in the videos I watched. I'll link some of these videos in our show notes. (laughs) There's like many types of printmaking. Like you can use stamps and all those, you know, I have a friend who does stamps and she prints like pillows and... um, Dolls, and we have shout a little bunny wrap. Shout out to Folly some prints. Yes, Folly some prints. Uh, and <laughs> she makes shout out. She makes all of those stamps like she carves them, and I just it's so very pretty. intricate. And um, so anyway, yeah, there's all different ways of 
printmaking, but in this video I watched, they said that the lithography, uh, a lot of artists really like this type of printmaking because they're drawing, they're they're literally doing the drawing, and so they Mm -hmm. can add those details. Um, Whereas if you're doing a, a different form, it might not, it might not show up. That's really cool. So in chapter 10, we kind of get a glimpse into the legend of the groundhog. Groundhog sees his shadow. And I love the idea of this chapter because (laughs) they decide to bring spring. Wow. They decide (laughs) to bring spring sooner. So we, we meet Groundhog. He's a very intimidating fellow. He's quite large compared to all of the other smaller orchard animals that we've met and he is feared by the other animals but we find out that he himself is actually quite the scaredy cat so he comes out of his hole he sees his shadow and it scares him and so he goes back into his hole but as he's coming out to look he kind of happens upon miss hickory or miss hickory happens upon him she thinks he's afraid of her. She sees him. He starts to run back. She runs away and goes and t- tells the um, hen pheasants that she has seen Groundhog and um, he was scared of her. And they said, oh, no, no, no. He's scared of his shadow. And if he saw his shadow, that means we have um, six more, right? Six more weeks of winter. Yeah. And so they devised this plan to get him to come out and not be afraid of his shadow and then they will bring spring six weeks quicker. <laughs> yes. Sooner, I guess. If only it worked that way. Right? Right? <laughs> this is genius. So is that is that based in truth then that groundhogs are afraid of their shadows? I've never heard this before. I don't know if that's true. But yeah, usually if you see, I mean, we don't really, we have some groundhogs around here, but I don't really see them. But um, usually if you see a groundhog out and about, it means they believe spring is here and they're ready to come out of hibernation. I just I don't know really where the cute. shadow thing came up was. Yeah, I don't remember where that originated. Well, listeners, if you have done research on the history of Groundhog Day, send us your information because <laughs> we're not going to look it up right now. I did research years ago when I was quite younger like, how do they, like, because we have Puxatani Phil, and that's usually, like, mm-hmm. the the official, like, groundhog of America, basically. Although, we have one in Woodstock, so I usually go by what the Woodstock one says. Because this year, Puxatani said winter, there would be six more weeks of winter, but the Woodstock one, I forget his name, said spring was coming early. And I believe it did this year, for us, anyway. But anyway... The Puxatani <laughs> Phil, they there's like this like group of people that are part of this like oh what's the word I'm looking for like they're just like this group of people, and they're part of this the Groundhog organization or something. They have a formula that they use to mm. figure out whether or not you know winter's coming, and this formula is locked in a black box somewhere. I'm not making what? this up. <laughs> like, Oh my word. It's real. 
<laughs> so that's because that obviously crazy. like you know they always like read some poem that you know allegedly the the groundhog wrote but they you know that's obviously really they funny. wrote it so well clearly the groundhog did not write it so it's you know <laughs> supposedly based in science but i don't know what the formula is yeah i don't know i just thought that was a cute chapter yeah it was very cute um, so then we find out what Old Crow Week is, which I thought it was a funny little title that they had for that. The crows start to come back and they're kind of bullies is what we see. It's like they're a vicious gang, like taking yeah. food and they, I mean, obviously crows are kind of, kind of frightful creatures. Um, I will say the crows of Japan, though, that's a whole nother game. <laughs> Totally off topic, but those things are massive. <laughs> they're huge. Well, they're ravens. I think they're, ravens well, they're, and crows aren't they are like the European crows or something like that? I it's forget, a different. Yeah, they're very large, and then they mimic sounds that they hear. Oh, that's yeah, funny. And they're so loud. Anyway, if they were those crows, I would be running. I have several families of crows that live in the trees in my neighborhood, and I can confirm the behavior described in this book. I have witnessed it. So reading this made me so. <laughs> so what are the some of the things that they were doing? They were taking the they took some of the corn from the hen pheasants, which very much irritated Miss Hickory. And then they were doing something in the field, like marking the fields for where the corn was planted, so right. they could so they would know where to get food from. Right. <clears throat> um. And they were being controlled, or there was a certain head crow. Um, that Miss Hickory was just mumbling and grumbling about that this is a bully and a thief and they're a gang and all this stuff. Well, come to find out, the head crow is her friend Crow from before. <laughs> yeah, and she thought it wasn't him because he would never behave that way. <laughs> right. One of the things she said is, undoubtedly a gangster. <laughs> She's such a little old lady. She like, is. <laughs> those street youths out there. <laughs> So then Crow comes to pay her a visit to see how she's faring in her home that he found for her and um, decides to take her on a flight. And that it um, instantly perks her spirits up. She's so excited to go flying with Crow. So she hops on Crow's back. And I will be honest, I was a little nervous at that point that this was going to be the end for her. I, I was, I like, was oh, nervous Oh, this is a trap. Too. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't he genuinely was being kind and um flew her around on his back showed her that the hen pheasants were fine even though he, they had taken their corn they're back with their men men folk and being taken care of and uh, so they just soar around and she can see the whole place and he kind of tells her what's going on and um that does it that when is that when he tells her that the family is coming back i can't remember so the next chapter is the one that I was a little bit sick okay, trying to read. Now it makes sense. <laughs> I was trying to figure so, out and, which one. <laughs> so chapter 12, we meet Bullfrog. And Bullfrog gets tired of having the two-legged people throw rocks at him. He is fed up. He has been told by his family he just needs to be a tougher bullfrog, and he's done. 
He's running away from home. He ends up in a bit of a pickle because although it is coming on spring, it is the ponds are still frozen and he ends up getting stuck in the ice. So Miss Hickory is taking one last skate for this for the winter and she happens upon this frog and she notices like his clothes are really gross and cracking and kind of falling off and just he needs new clothes. That's her first thought because she loves clothes. She's a, sewn clothes for herself. She's kind of a fast fashionista. I was say, she's a very fashionable of, little. She's very fashionable. <laughs> and she's very disturbed by bullfrogs old drying up clothes. So she helps. She, I'm just like seeing some of the words. Bullfrog's good green suit was cracked wide open in places and the material had faded to a dirty brown. And I was like, oh, please tell me this is not what I think it is. <laughs> so she helps him get loose from the ice and then he proceeds to peel off his old clothes and eat them in his mouth. Yes. And this is where I was almost done with this book. I understand that this is a thing that bullfrogs do, but the way she describes it in the book is like a little bit too detailed for me and my grown-up mind. I mean, at least she referred to it as clothes. But even not like skin. I feel like there was a part where it just describes it like hanging out of his mouth or something. There is. And that was like, it was just too much. It was too much. And this is a thing that bullfrogs do. They shed their skin and they eat it. They don't leave it behind like snakes and other. Well, at least they clean up after themselves. I I don't want to talk about this anymore. (laughs) 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 Unless you guys have anything to say about those chapters. I have nothing to add. Okay. I mean, he ends up going back to where he came from. Yeah. Yep. Okay, next. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So in chapter 13, Miss Hickory makes herself some new spring clothes. She does. They're very stylish. Gorgeous. She really is. But Robin returns and kicks Miss Hickory out of the nest. That was my favorite chapter was Robin. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just because, like, the way that she describes, like, Robins and their behavior and, like, how they think of themselves is kind of how I've always imagined (laughs) them to be, like, you know, signs of spring. We are the Robin. <laughs> yes. Put it in the newspaper. <laughs> Early bird gets the worm. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So Miss Hickory tries to move into Squirrel's Hole. She thinks that he's not there anymore. But he is there. And he's not well. He's ill and starving. And so she asks him, where did all your nuts go? And he says, I ate them all. She's like, what about the ones you buried in the woods? And he's like, remember, I don't remember I things. I don't remember where I buried them. He's, he's very hangry. Yes. yes. He is. <laughs> he is. 
And so she gets a bit harsh with him, which I feel like the entire book, she just insults him the whole book. And so she says, I told you last fall, and I'll tell you again, squirrel. She shakes her finger at him. That you are a witless fellow. Why don't you use your head? A brainless wastrel. That's what you are. And then she gets her comeuppance. (laughs) And it's at this point that Squirrel has just, he's just had enough of this. He can't handle any more insults. And he points out that without all those nuts that he buries and forgets, the woods would have no new nut trees. And then he says, Use my head, did you ask? What I beg of you to explain is the matter with your head, old nut, that you feel you can blame me. Call me witless. Well... Miss Hickory could not move in fright as Squirrel lunged forward and put a heavy paw on her shoulder. They say two heads are better than one. All this time I have spared you. Oh, I knew all about hickory nuts, so juicy and full of sweet meat, but I waited as long as possible. Now I must act. I hope you will understand, he finished jokingly, that this hurts me more than it does you. And then he proceeds to take off her head and eat it. <laughs> it did not go that quickly. That so... It doesn't. Like, as he's chewing, it's like her head is talking to her. Yeah, it's like worse than a quick death. It's really bizarre, almost. But I feel like it's telling her, like, because of your head, you've been so hard-headed. And then once she's, like, free of her head, she's like almost like more content and lighter and wants you know has this bigger sense of adventure i guess i don't know like what do you guys think about yeah, it but all? Then i'm just picturing I mean, this headless twig with arms running up the apple tree well i mean it it scared squirrel he 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 like was very traumatized by it and he never ate a hickory nut again after that as he shouldn't have yeah. He felt very bad about what he had done. As he should have. <laughs> it did feel very uh, Disney-esque, like, follow your heart. You've gotten rid of that pesky head. Now right. just go. Yeah. <laughs> like, run and be free. <laughs> like- I can. I feel like I can sort of relate to her, though. Because I'm definitely the type of person that, like, just gets in my head too much. I just, I think about That's things true. too much. I get very anxious. I, I just, I'm just raising my hand over here. I struggle with anxiety. And I think that's part of the reason why is I just think about everything that could go wrong. Right. And like, part of it is like a good thing because I like to be prepared. And so like, if I think of everything that's gonna, that could potentially happen, then I can be prepared for it. But oftentimes it just gives me anxiety because I just think of the worst case scenarios, you know? Right. And so part of me can relate to Miss Hickory in that way that I just am too inside my head most of the time. I just need to get rid of it. There you go. Just take your head (laughs) off. Yeah. (laughs) Stop thinking so much. Don't overthink. I overthink things, you know? Yeah. Heads aren't necessary. I don't know. It was very abrupt to me, and I kept waiting for, like, Crow or someone to come, like, save her. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think it would happen, and and I didn't think what happens next was going to happen. I thought she was going to get a new head. So did I. But here's what happens. Headless Miss Hickory climbs up the apple tree. She finds a wide upper crotch in the apple tree. 
It says, she pushed herself into it, and calling it a day, Miss Hickory rested there. She's at rest now, guys. She is. She's at peace. And then the family (laughs) comes back. Yeah, so in May, the family comes back from Boston, and Anne and her friend, Timothy of the Next Farm, they're outside talking, and Anne is remembering Miss Hickory, and she's sad that she's gone. And as they're talking, Crow comes along and beckons them. And so he leads them to the old Macintosh apple tree. And they climb up the tree. And um, this is like a tree that Timothy recognizes. And he's like, oh, this tree, like, you know, it's kind of a really old tree. But I don't think it's ever been grafted. But it's like, it's blooming thicker than ever before. And so he climbs up the tree and they discover that Miss Hickory is in there. Anne recognizes Miss Hickory and she has become a scion. And because of her, the old apple tree is now blooming thicker than ever before. So she's part of the apple tree again. Which I didn't know that this was like a thing that you could like do that. Yeah, I, I watched some videos on that today, too. It's very interesting. Wow. Lauren's yeah. had a very There's educational of, day. <laughs> I, I have. There's different types of grafting, and using scions is one of one of those forms of grafting. So, good job, Miss Hickory. So, she has a whole new life, and she's basically a tree now. She's an apple tree, yeah. I think there was a quote I wanted to read. It said, oh, the very last page, it says, As for Miss Hickory, who had been a scion all along without knowing it, she felt completely happy. She would never have to do any hard thinking again. She had a permanent home at last, and someday she would give Anne, who had recognized her, a big red apple. Yes. That's sweet, I guess. I think it's sweet and also redemptive, but it was also kind of sad. Like It was a little sad. I guess that's life. Like we all have to grow up and it is life. And die. I would li- I would <laughs> I like guess. to know Lauren, did you read this to um Nora? I did. This is the first Newberry book that I read to what, Nora. Did she have a reaction to this ending? I don't think she fully understood what was happening. I tried to explain it to her, and I think she was like, oh, that's really nice. You know, I think because I was (laughs) trying to explain it in a nice way, you know. But yeah, I wonder, like, if older kids would have a different reaction. She really liked the book, though. She has asked me if I will read it to her again. Aww. Yeah. And I thought this book was great for reading aloud, because we would just read a few, like, two or three chapters a day and it was nice because you know the chapters were mostly self-contained it was you know i thought that as i was easy to put it it down would be like a really good like bedtime story book yeah yeah we would i would read it to her at lunchtime usually yeah bedtime would be good too anytime you do read alouds is a good time And kids also, whether they can verbalize it or not, just love that together time. Yeah. It's true. I always loved it when when Lauren and my mother would read to us.
So, what age do you guys think you would recommend this book for? I would say, like, four and up. I was going to say the same. I was kind of thinking that, yeah. Yeah. Like, if you have younger kids who sit and listen to stories, Mm -hmm. I don't like really any age. I think it would be fine for, yeah. Very appropriate. Cute little story. Nora is six, but I think she was five when I started reading it to her. I think it'd be great for kids that are in, what, second or third grade that can read for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's perfect for that, those grade levels. What are some themes or ideas that are brought up in this book, Lauren, that would be good to discuss with your children? Uh, I feel like as far as like character qualities, you could talk about pride. Like I think there were moments where Miss Hickory was too proud to do something. Um, too hard-headed is the word that they used in the book. And we could talk about, like, you know, what did she miss out on because she she didn't believe Squirrel or she didn't, you know, she just didn't want to take the time to go do something that was outside of her, like, schedule and her normal routine. Right. Which she um, really didn't have but I also think, a schedule or routine. Yeah, she just... Kind of- And it wasn't like she couldn't be bothered because, like, another thing we could talk about is service or helping others. And she, like, was always quick to help others. But I wonder if it was, like, almost like, what do you guys think? Do you think she was, like, self-serving in her service? (laughs) Does that make sense? Well, wasn't it Crow that, that made a comment like that or Squirrel? I think it was Squirrel that that yeah I can't that remember. made a comment to her about how like she only thought about herself and even when she helped other people it was for her own vanity or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and th- those are all things you can explore and talk about with your kids. Like, why do we help others? What are some things we you know you could like do service projects with your kids and things like that. And yeah, I mean, I think we should all start ladies aid societies and make quilts yes <laughs> we all should i'm in you got you have your service project and your handicrafts yep. all in one all in one <laughs> done boom i i think she had a very um like rachel lynn esque kind of personality (laughs) where she did have a soft side but she also was very much about appearance we see that with her clothes and yes yes oh i'm starting a ladies aid society and i did this and i did that but look at that squirrel he's so irresponsible (laughs) yes Yes. and crow she wanted him to take a bath yes exactly (laughs) poor crow he did get a little embarrassed about that So I think that would breed some really good conversation about helping others, but with the right spirit. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I feel like the biggest thing that you could talk about from this book is there's so many science lessons. Mm -hmm. Like you could talk about tree grafting and like, wouldn't it be fun to go to an apple orchard? Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know how many apple orchards do this, but like maybe have somebody who works at the orchard like show you like how they graft the trees and right that'd be super cool i think to see in in person and like this book the chapters are divided 
Well, the book just goes through the seasons. Like, it, you know, you go through from fall to spring. And so you could talk about seasons. Like, it's very basic. You could talk about animal behaviors. There's so many animals in this book that do some silly things. And you could talk about, like, do these animals do that in real life? Do they... Or was this just something silly for the story? It was also... It was fun to me to you, see, like, similarities in some animal behaviors to, like human behavior like you know like (laughs) readying yourself for winter and you know there's there's different things that we do in the winter even as humans to get ready and you know stay warm and all that stuff yeah it's awesome and like even like how squirrels and other animals help bury nuts and seeds and they turn into trees and um, I did want to mention for the tree grafting, um, mm-hmm. I was struck, and I totally forgot about this, but I was struck um, to make it a little bit spiritualized. In the Bible, it talks about how we are grafted in as um, Gentile or non-Jewish believers. We're grafted into the good tree. And yeah. I thought it was really pretty, like a beautiful picture, how she was grafted in. And then it caused that tree to flourish even more. Yeah. And not that like our being saved is going to make Christ better. But I just thought it was a really beautiful picture. Like not only are we grafted in, but we can flourish and have life. And I think that grafting can be, if you're like a Christian homeschooler, it can lead into other conversations as well. Like because yeah, I the, love that. In the Bible, you know, we hear, hear a lot about science and how mm-hmm. nature works. And yeah, I was that. I forgot to mention that when we were talking No, about that's that so beautiful. I really love that. Yeah. So anyway. Um, you could also do some art projects. Yeah. You could make your own. You could make your own Miss Hickory. I did find instructions on how to make a Miss Hickory if you are very ambitious. Did you? I knew there was probably something out there. Send it to me. I want to do it. (laughs) I will, but it's, I will not be doing it because I don't have the patience. But yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. Is it like a Miss Hickory that you're going to have for a while? Or is it like perishable leaves and stuff that it's going to die? I think this lady made her, she made kind of the core of her body out of like pipe cleaners me i don't it was a lot of steps like it took her three (laughs) blog posts to get oh my goodness she does use a real hickory nut for the head oh which those last yeah this lady like very detailed like she her miss hickory doll looks like the picture on the cover of the book wow this is happening that's impressive yeah um, but if you're not that ambitious, like, you could just make things out of sticks and twigs and leaves and nuts you find outside. Like, there's nature weaving. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Um, but basically, you just, like, you can take, like, a piece of cardboard and, like, wrap yarn around it. And then you just, things you find in nature, like flowers or blades of grass, and you just weave it into the to the yarn. And then you've got your little nature weave and... That's you could so also cool. just make like pictures, like glue your stuff on to paper. Yeah, with, there's you could do whatever. Little, yeah, you could make your own little nature scene out of nature. Yes, so <laughs> fun. Oh, I just looked up nature weaving. It's so cute. Yeah, isn't that cute? Oh, new Pinterest oh, I board. I want to do that. Right. <laughs> that's adorable. I think that's such a great way because, especially 
like now our little girl is three and we've entered the picking all the dandelions phase. Yes. And this is a way to make it cute. Yeah, it's so fun. And for me, it's something that's like not hard Mm because I'm just so like intimidated by nature study. And I don't know why, but it's not, it doesn't have to be hard. These things are like a whole look. Right? This is like a vibe. It wouldn't last forever, but it would be super cute. And you can like replace it. I was going to say, you could could hang up the little things and then just replace the stuff as it dies. (laughs) We're doing it. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) That's so cute. Oh, I'm so glad. We're inspired, guys. We're inspired. And something also that's fun would be to to study lithographs, lithography with mm-hmm. your kids. There's some videos I found on like how kids, how you can make it more simple so kids can. Yeah, I watched that one video you sent with the guy and it actually looks, that yeah. looks really fun. I know. I kind of want to try it. So I'll put those videos up if you are interested in doing some of those art projects with your kids. Oh, who knew that all this art would come out of this little book? Who knew? (laughs) Shout out to you, Ruth. (laughs) I feel like this is something that's going to (laughs) like come back in a future episode. (laughs) Shout out to you, Ruth. It's it's gonna be the new we love you, right? Kate. Exactly. <laughs> Shout out to you, Ruth. <laughs> no, but for real, like I feel like not just me, but all of us have a thing for like illustrators, and mm-hmm. and this one is a good one. I would pay for some of these illustrations to hang in They're my house. So cute. Oh, I have a shout out for like an adult book that is nature based, but is that inappropriate? I was just going to, we were going to about to talk about if you liked Miss Hickory. Okay. Here are some similar books you may enjoy as well. So Leah, tell us. If you enjoyed Miss Hickory and the deep dive into nature that we just did, (laughs) I highly recommend, I highly recommend all of Hannah Anderson's books. They're very much nature I don't know, driven, infused. I'm not sure. Um, they are Christian books. Her latest, I think it's her latest book. I'm not sure, but her book, Turning of Days, Lessons from Nature, Season, and Spirit. I believe it's illustrated by her husband. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous book. It's kind of like a devotional, but basically I would describe it <laughs> as a walk through a forest with someone who knows nature and can point you to God through these really interesting facets of nature it's such a soothing calming book to read and it very much was a great like read along with miss hickory (laughs) because it it just paints beautiful word pictures of nature and then her husband's drawings i believe it's her husband he has the same last name but maybe it's not um are kind of miss hickory-esque like they're very basic but also you can tell it's someone who's looked at the nature and gets a lot of the details so anyway that would be my recommendation. I'll definitely have to check that one out. Yeah. I remember you showing it to me the other day. It looks really pretty. And I don't think I've ever read anything by Hannah Anderson, but I've definitely heard of her. There's another book a lot of people like about hers. And I think like each chapter is like 
a different flower name or something yes. or something like that. So I definitely need to check out those The books. little blurb says, Turning of Days beckons you to a world of tree frogs and peach blossoms, mountain springs, and dark winter nights, all in search of nature's God. I love so, that. That blurb is even peaceful and... It is. Her writing is very peaceful and uh, it definitely resonates with me and I would recommend it if you are in the mood for a good nature read. Cool, cool. There is a book called The Newberry Prince Companion that goes through all of the Newberry medal winning books and the Prince Medal. Is it a medal? I think so. Anyway, so in that book on the chapter about Miss Hickory. These are the books that they list that if you liked Miss Hickory, you might enjoy these books as well. The first one is The Doll's House by Rumor Godden. The Adventures of Pinocchio by Carlo Collodi, which I've never read Pinocchio, but Mm-mm. we all know the story, right? Mm-hmm. Goldie the Dollmaker by M.B. Goffstein. Show Way by Jacqueline Woodson, which I haven't read, but I love Jacqueline Woodson. I do too. This book is about, this is the description it gives, a quilt reveals stories of African-American women across the ages. So I'm going to have to add that to my list. Yep, I'm adding it right now. So those are the ones that are listed here. I've never read any of them, so I can't. I can't, like, give my firm, like, recommendation, but for some reason, as I was reading this book, I just, I kept getting Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim vibes. I think it was because, like, she needed a new house, and there's a crow, like, there's a crow in that book, too, and I don't know, it was in the barnyard animals, you're on a farm, and then Charlotte's Web, you know, had some Charlotte's Web vibes, too, so... I don't. Are there any other books you guys thought of when you read this book? I thought of Frog and Toad. Yeah. Oh yes. I always loved those books. There was one teacher in elementary school that would always read those books. I think it was Mrs. Fires, but I'm not sure. Um, I always loved those books. You could probably toss in some Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. That's what I said. It just sounded Sorry, like- you cut out and it sounded like you said you could also toss in some poo. <laughs> no, you could also like toss- a monkey. <laughs> you could also toss in some adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Yes. <laughs> I see your frog a toad and I raise you some poo. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got like owl and rabbit. No, yeah, so, for sure. <laughs> Ooh, I can't. <laughs> it always happens at the end of these episodes. <laughs> That's all I, I can think of money. for now. <laughs> Leah! <Yeah. laughs> it is your turn to pick our next book. It is. Do it. (laughs) Sorry, I had it up and then I looked at something else. My my choice for the next book will be Sarah Plain and Tall by Patricia McLaughlin. 
and I will read this little blurb here. Set in the late 19th century and told from young Anna's point of view, Sarah Plain and Tall tells the story of how Sarah Elizabeth Wheaton comes from Maine to the prairie to answer Papa's advertisement for a wife and mother. Before Sarah arrives, Anna and her younger brother Caleb wait and wonder, will Sarah be nice? Will she sing? Will she stay? It says, this children's literature classic is perfect for fans of Laura Ingalls Wilder's Little House on the Prairie books, historical fiction, and timeless stories using rich and beautiful language. And what year was awesome. this? Uh, 1986. I, so there was a movie about this, and I think it was a feature films for families. Sarah Plain yeah, and Tall. Right. Those are good movies. It was one of my favorites. Yes. And honestly, I'm not sure if I've actually read the book, so I'm kind of excited to read the book. I've never read the book, so I'm excited to read this. Yes. Thank you. I hope we can all enjoy it. And I think there's a sequel if you really get into it, so. Nice. Well, should we let the people know how to get in touch with us if they so choose? We should do that. You can email us teamfriendshippodcast at gmail.com you can find us on instagram team friendship podcast we're on facebook facebook.com slash team friendship podcast and we have a website with all of our past episodes and lists of newberry books team friendship podcast.com you can find me on instagram at jedi reader 1138 you can find me also on instagram redheaded reader I am also on Instagram at Mandy Malay Faux Reader. Well, friends, we'll see you all in another time. And remember, friends, no two persons ever read the same book, ever. guys have anything else to say about those chapters i didn't know if you <laughs> i'm done what was happening that was it was all dumped. it was dead <laughs> okay <laughs> okay <laughs> all right are we ready to progress in our story let us progress okay <laughs> so, i don't know why that felt like a video game to me <laughs> let us progress. let us move forward <laughs> next level <laughs> all right every whenever that was mentioned i just kept thinking of the rescue aid society yes. and then oh I yeah had, i've yeah. had the song stuck in my head all day because of that nice. <laughs> oh the rescuers that's a good one that's a much more pleasant song i've had the pj mass song stuck in my head all day so i need to switch that out yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It's it's fun to watch squirrels do that, by the way. It's very, it's it hilarious because they're like frantic when they do it. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and then when they're trying to find them, like in my yard at least, they run all over and it's like they're saying to themselves, yep. I know it's around here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Uh, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. We had a squirrel that would run around our deck and dig in my different like f- hang I didn't take in my flower pots. No. He would like dig in my flower pots like maybe it was in here. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you did not bury any nuts in my flower pot. Trust me. <laughs> I'm like, and he kept coming back to the same flower pot and I'm like, "Oh my goodness. That's hilarious. You I need a little sign like your nut is not in here." Put him in there and just made him feel <laughs> right. like he was right. He's like, "Yes, I knew it." <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> No, but for real, like, I feel like not just me, but all of us have a thing for, like, illustrators. And mm-hmm. and this one is a good one. I do have a thing for illustrators. I'm sorry, that's all I could think of. Mandy's just super attracted to illustrators. You know what I mean. Like, we, we always I like do. to look up who has illustrated the book. Um, and we're very drawn to, I mean, to awesome illustrations. But yes, my husband is technically. Your husband <laughs> very skilled. is talented. Yes. Like, he is. for real. He doesn't think he is, but he is. Uh, what is it with men? <laughs> what is that? What is it with anyone that, that does art? Really? Anybody can do it's this. It's not that great, you know. <laughs> yes, it is. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah.